It's Thursday, August 20th, and there are just four days until delegates at Charlotte's business-only convention meet at the Charlotte Convention Center to nominate President Trump for a second term. From WFAE, Charlotte's NPR source, I'm Lisa Worf. And I'm Steve Harrison. And this is the Inside Politics Podcast, the RNC in Charlotte. Okay, let's go back to earlier this week. Lisa, you and I are inside the convention center, which will be home to the Scaleback Convention. Yes, and let me tell you, it is very, very quiet here. You may be able to hear some escalators completely empty going up and down. There's a loud buzz just a few feet away. But I'm looking around, and there are no people in our sight range. There are no people in our sight range, and there's no signs that there's any sort of convention or anything happening in a few days. If you go outside on Stonewall Street, there are a couple of banners welcoming delegates to Charlotte. But other than that, there's no signs that a political convention is coming here. So we decided to do our due diligence just in case there was any other trace of the Republican National Convention here at the convention center. And Steve, what did we find? So we found two electronic signs that uh, welcome the delegates and then they flash and give new messages about make sure you bring your own hand sanitizer. Refrain from giving a hug. Make sure you self-isolate if you have symptoms. Thank you for keeping the RNC safe for everyone. With uh, only a few days before people come, it certainly doesn't look like much of a party is going to be here. Of course, 500 Republicans are arriving here beginning today for their small business-only convention. The Republican National Committee will meet over the weekend, and then on Monday, a larger group that includes 336 delegates will meet to nominate the president. It's going to be a pretty quiet affair, and Uptown will be a far cry from when the city hosted the Democratic National Convention in 2012. It was bustling with vendors, protesters, politicians, and celebrities. I have uh, caps uh, and I have buttons. I also have uh, some commemorative things from the inauguration. Charlotte usually has a lot of police everywhere, but (laughs) I've never seen it like this. Very excited to be here. Charlotte, North Carolina, the Queen City, so named for the band that toured here in 1982. Between all the events we have going on off-premise and all the events that we have on-premise, it's been non-stop. It's been beautiful. President Trump won't be here, of course. He said earlier this week he'd be delivering his speech from the South Lawn of the White House. That's after he mentioned the battlefield at Gettysburg as a possibility. We should mention other people who won't be here. Mayor Viles will be out of town, her spokesperson says. Remember, that was a tricky issue for the mayor when she said she wouldn't give a welcoming speech for the convention. And the city council's two Republican members aren't going to attend either. And that's mostly because of the strict limitations on numbers. There are only six people for each state and territory. So the Charlotte delegates will nominate the president on Monday morning, August 24th, and then fly home. And that's when the televised portion of the RNC begins, similar to what we're seeing this week with the all-virtual DNC. Politico reports that the Andrew W. Mellon Auditorium in D.C., which it calls a grand historic federal building located close to the Trump International Hotel, 
will serve as a central hub for speeches. And as of Wednesday night, the RNC hasn't released the lineup of speakers. So the official convention will only be one day, but the Republican National Committee will be holding meetings on Saturday and Sunday. So this is a three-day affair altogether. And even though this is a much smaller event than planned, there are still street closures. And for the last few days, a ubiquitous helicopter uptown. That chopper is owned by the U.S. Department of Energy's National Nuclear Security Administration, and it's part of its nuclear emergency support team. It's measuring, quote, naturally occurring background radiation to give the federal government a baseline of how much radiation is in Charlotte on a normal day and alerting them if there's something unusual in their measurements over the weekend. So we'll be getting 1% of the crowd we expected. But even in miniature form, the RNC will likely be the largest state-approved gathering of people since the pandemic started. That's what the RNC's health consultant for the convention, Dr. Jeffrey Rungi, says. He's a former medical director for the Department of Homeland Security and used to do clinical research at CMC. The state let uh, the NASCAR race happen, Charlotte Motor Speedway, but I'm not sure that there was a big crowd there. We have a little different risk profile from the average race fan, and we have put in numerous steps to mitigate what would be a riskier event. So what's the plan that's going to keep those 500 delegates and other officials safe, as well as communities they're returning to and us here in Charlotte? Steve, you interviewed Dr. Runge, and we're going to delve into the plan. Yeah, this plan has really evolved from the days when the RNC wanted a full-spectrum center and wasn't talking about people wearing masks or social distancing. That was before the GOP moved most of the convention to Jacksonville. And that previous plan for the Spectrum Center was only three pages long, and the state said it wasn't enough. Now, Jacksonville has been canceled. Charlotte is the only part of this convention left. And this current plan is pretty rigid and pretty detailed. And before we get to that plan, it's worth pointing out Rungi was the health consultant at that time, too, with the full Spectrum Center. Yeah, I asked him what he thought about that. There was a period when the RNC wanted the full arena and was not really interested in in masks or social distancing. You were the health director. What were your thoughts at that time when that was the proposal? Well, we've always said from the very beginning that we were going to comply with uh, best practices with science um, with uh, federal, uh, state, and local guidelines. Those issues uh, had yet to be worked out at that point in time. We were planning for uh, an event uh, that was as large as we could get it safely. So the RNC's decision to uh, scale this down was very prudent you know, because of where we are in the context of this pandemic. It's now a size where you can create a very safe event. Okay, that's kind of a cop-out. Yeah, more than kind of. (laughs) Well, let's get to the plan. Okay, first off, everyone coming to the convention has already been sent a self-swab coronavirus test. They were supposed to do a semi-quarantine before and after they take the test at home. So hopefully no one comes to Charlotte with an infection. And then when they arrive at the Westin, Atrium and Ovant will test them a second time. And everyone working with the convention and interacting with delegates will be tested as well, including the staff at the Westin. So they're trying to ensure that no one arrives in Charlotte with COVID and no one leaves with COVID. Yeah, but I asked, is that possible? Obviously, as health director, you want zero cases coming in, zero cases coming out. That's the goal. But there's a possibility of someone 
developing, being asymptomatic and, and catching COVID and during that window and not being detected, that that necessarily wouldn't be the end of the world when you're bringing 500 people together um, in, at this stage of the That's pandemic. Correct. I mean, that yeah, it's, things are going to happen, yeah. is my point. Yeah, you're right on the money. To back up a second, you know, the planning doctrine that we use is centered around prevention, protection, mitigation, and then response and recovery, no matter what they feel sick from. So if they would get symptoms while they're here, they would not be part of the meetings. And we would steer them into one of the two healthcare systems. We have a web application that's smartphone enabled that they will have with a telemedicine link. We have on-site uh, medical responders for the convention center and on-site health professionals at the hotel venue to help us with secondary screening should our staff screeners be unsure or if someone has a temperature that's higher than allowed. So he's saying that they don't think anyone would get sick here, but if they do, they have a plan in place to isolate people quickly. Okay, so there are some safeguards built into the system. Yeah, for example, when the convention starts, the RNC has said that delegates won't be able to move chairs so that they stay six feet apart. They have to wear masks at all times. Yeah, and I've heard about these intriguing badges delegates have to wear in the Westin in the convention center. Yeah, this is really interesting technology. And depending on your viewpoint, it's either really responsible in a way to keep people safe or it's part of some kind of dystopian <laughs> surveillance state. The way it works is that each badge has a code. The movements of the badges are tracked. And when a badge comes in close contact with another badge, that's recorded as well. When we discovered it, it was a really good answer to a requirement that we had given ourselves, which was, should there be the unthinkable happening, meaning, meaning people become infected and they go off to 50 states, there was no way we could conscientiously dump that on the Mecklenburg County Health Department. And so the, the folks at the, in the convention committee decided that we needed to do something that would streamline their efforts. And, you know, contact tracing is a time-sensitive thing. So Trying to get a hold of people all over the country and their health departments and so forth uh, would just be a nightmare. And Rungi says they won't have access to that data unless someone gets sick. Then they enter that person's code and they get to see who they've been in contact with. It's completely private. The badges have a number and we will know what numbers are in contact with other numbers, but they won't be identified with a person unless there is someone who is positive for COVID. In that case, we can break the code and look and see which of those numbers belong to which attendee and make sure that they are notified as soon as possible. And during the convention, the delegates will be in a semi-bubble. They will eat breakfast and lunch in the hotel or the convention center, but they're free to leave at night. And Rungi says he hopes to bring their badges with them. Even if they're in a briefcase or a purse, they'll still work. Hmm. If you don't like a mask, you're probably not going to be quick to carry that with you, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this could be a challenge because as soon as delegates leave this semi-bubble, that badge may be left behind in their hotel room. Now, talking about masks, do you think people will comply with that mask mandate, right? You have the president who's skeptical of masks. Republican Dan Forrest, who's running for governor in North Carolina, says they don't work. So it's safe to say there's some reluctance out there among Republicans to, to wear them. Yeah, the State Department of Health and Human Services is concerned about that. They asked the GOP in a letter, who is going to enforce this? And? I asked Ruggie about that, and he says simply, everyone will be wearing them. Delegates have been told and will be reminded that we have 100% mask compliance, indoor, public spaces, 
and in any situation in which you can't effectively socially distance. Okay, so delegates are free to leave the Westin in the convention center at night for dinner or whatever. Did the RNC ever consider creating a full bubble like the NBA has done at Walt Disney World in Florida? They did. Here's Rungi. Our planning cell uh, discussed that, and I actually had the discussion with the state and suggested that it would be perhaps less risky to have a group of three or 400 people in a banquet hall with seated, plated service, and they don't get up and walk around, and there's not an unseated reception. But Rungi says he didn't think the state was willing to bend its rules that much to allow 500 people to eat together in one room. I think that it was just a, a bridge too far for them to bend the rules that far. You know, they had discussions when they were forming the executive order language. The rule is very clear that the rules for restaurants do not apply to hotel banquet facilities. In fact, I think that we sort of reached a point of equipoise between, you know, perfect bubble safety and giving them seated box meals for breakfast and lunch and then letting them go out into the Charlotte community for dinner. Okay, we're going to take a short break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk about a second convention taking place in Charlotte starting Monday. Yeah, it's the so-called shadow convention that we talked about a few months ago before the pandemic happened. It's the never-Trump alternative to the RNC, and it's still on. Hey folks, today's podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you to the listeners who submitted their questions on WFAE.org slash Inside Politics. And thank you to the listeners who made a contribution to WFAE to support breaking news and in-depth reporting. If you're enjoying today's episode and learning something new from Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte, make sure to give this podcast a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. And if you want to support the podcast even further, become a member of WFAE with a donation of any amount. Five, ten, fifteen dollars, you name it. Just hit the donate button on WFAE.org slash inside politics and thanks. Okay, we're back. So just six blocks from the convention center is the Dunhill Hotel. It's the site of the convention on founding principles. Yes, this is that shadow convention we talked about. The same day that delegates will nominate President Trump for a second term, Monday, August 24th. This Republican convention will kick off. It's being organized by former North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr and former CIA officer Evan McMullen. He ran as a third party candidate in 2016. So they're really still coming. Yeah, they are. But their convention is also pared down. Here's Orr. Unfortunately, because of the COVID limitations, we're going to just have the basic group there in Charlotte. I've had a number of people you know, call or email and say, hey, you know, can we come to Charlotte? And it's like, well, you know, regrettably, no. So most of the speakers at this convention will be speaking remotely from around the country. There are people like former FBI Director James Comey, former CIA Director Michael Hayden, former New Jersey Governor Christine Todd Whitman. And Mooch, right? Yes. Former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci will speak. There are a lot of formers on the list, like former RNC chair Michael Steele. And in Charlotte, you'll have Orr and McMullen and his wife, Mindy Fenn, who is the executive director of Stand Up Republic. They will also have moderators and a technical crew here. So this rogue convention starts August 24th, which was the day the original RNC was supposed to begin. 
And it'll end on August 27th, which was to be the night that President Trump gave his acceptance speech. So who's going to give their culminating speech, Steve? Well, this appears to be a bit anticlimactic. Well, (laughs) that's a great question. You know, we sort of kicked that question back and forth on what's the best response to that. And we're working on it. Let me put it that way. There We will try and have an appropriate culmination for our convention. And that concludes today's episode of Inside Politics. Thanks to WFAE's political reporter, Steve Harrison, with helping us navigate all the twists and turns of the convention that brought us here. A very quiet uptown Charlotte, just a couple days before a very pared down Republican National Convention begins. Happy to help, Lisa. Now, we won't be able to get inside the convention meetings in Charlotte. No reporters are allowed except pool reporters Monday morning when the president is re-nominated. But of course, we'll still be reporting and updating you throughout the week. Until next time, I'm Lisa Worf. Catch you real soon on Inside Politics, the RNC in Charlotte.